the church experience online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Hey Church Experience family, you know, I'm so thankful for this temporary location that we have to meet at at the Clarion Hotel. Man, they've been so kind and generous to us. And as an example of that, the other day we were planning on doing a baptism out of Clearwater Beach like we typically do. But man, red tide came into Clearwater and nobody wanted to go to the beach. So we had some people that were planning on being baptized, so what do you do? So we asked the hotel, we said, hey, can we, can we baptize some people in your pool? And they said, yeah, come on, let's, let's do it. And we were so grateful for that. Well, I had been having an eye on, ever since we moved into the hotel, an eye on the hot tub. The hot tub sits over next to the pool, and every time I walk past I think, man, that'd be so fun just to hop in that hot tub, especially on a, on a cooler day. And, and as many times as I thought about that, there's never been a good opportunity. I mean, what am I going to do? Like, greet people as they're coming into church. Hey, guys, I'm just over here chilling in the hot tub. It just doesn't really work. So there's never been a great opportunity. But as we were doing our baptisms, I, I looked over at the hot tub, and I thought, man, this is a great day. I'm already wet from baptizing people. I, I'm going to go hop in the hot tub. So I ran over the hot tub, I jumped in. And you know, most hot tubs, 102, 104 degrees, it feels really good if, if you're wanting to just get that feeling, that relaxing feeling of the hot water. Well, I jumped in and it was not 100 degrees. It wasn't even close to it. It was lukewarm. See, the hot tub had broken on that day, that day of all days. And so I jumped in the pool expecting a hot tub and I got a lukewarm tub. That's disappointing. And, and you know what else is disappointing? It's disappointing when we as believers should have a white hot passion for the Lord and atrophy sets in spiritually and we get lukewarm. That's disappointing because we're not at our best. We're not accomplishing all that God wants to do through our lives. We're not being the people inside that God wants us to be. And so lukewarm, spiritual apathy, it can happen to any of us at any time. It even can happen to a church. And specifically, I wanna talk about the apathy that can happen inside our vision because I believe we should have a white hot, passionate vision for what matters to God. And what matters to God, well, Jesus made that real clear, that we love him with all of our heart, that we love others. That, you know, loving others, that, that's what building God's church is all about. It's, it's building people. It's bringing people in to, to follow Jesus, uh, baptizing them and teaching them and discipling them. I mean, that's, that's really what matters to God. And that's what matters should, should matter to us. But unfortunately, over time, we lose that passion, don't we? I mean, think about it in your own life. How, how would you gauge, on a scale of one to 10, how would you gauge your spiritual passion these days? If you're like most people, you'd say, well, I'm not quite where I should be. And today, my hope is that wherever you're at, that, that God will turn it up a degree or two, that, that you will get closer to the Lord, that, that through today's message, that, that your, your passion will be stoked for the Lord. And you know, part of the, 
the genesis of this message comes from a conversation I had with a great guy in our church. He, he had a very well-meaning, genuine question, and he said, Brandon, what's the vision of our church? You know, kind of, I, I read into that, like, hey, where are we going? What's, what's the next step? What, what's our plan? And this is a guy that knows me well, knows our church well, and I thought, man, you know what? Shame on me for not making it more clear, because no one should ever have to ask, what's our vision? Because I, I think the Bible gives a real clear vision for what our our church should be about what every Bible teaching Christian church should be about, our, our vision for what matters to God and what should matter to us. Now, there are some practical parts of that that I'm gonna to get to toward the end of the message. Like, hey, here's the state of our church. Here's where we are. Here's where we hope to go. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to that a little bit at the end. But let's, let's talk about the more important uh, heart issue. And that's, that's what, what should be the, the status of my heart, the vision of my heart, um, as it pertains to following Jesus in this world. So let's look at Acts chapter 17. Very interesting story. Uh, Paul, a great missionary church planner, um, he's traveling to the city of Athens. And he's going there to build God's church. And he finds a very, very intriguing scenario as he walks into the city. And we pick up the story in verse 16, where it says that Paul, while waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and with God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. So Paul walks into the city of Athens and he, and he, he looks around and he, and he says, man, everybody's worshiping all these idols. And it, and it bothered him. It distressed him. Does it bother you that our city is full of idols? Now, it's probably not as prevalent in the same way that it was in the city of Athens where they had made these religious idols out of wood and stone and they were bowing down and worshiping them and praying to them. See, the idols in our lives, the idols in the lives of people in our community, we don't necessarily bow down to them and raise our hands and sing to them, but they become an idol when we put them above God. And, and a form of an idol is when we put something in God's place in our life because God's place in our life should be the same as it is in heaven. See, on earth as it is in heaven means that, you know, God, part of that is that God in heaven, he is on a throne. He's above all things. And, and that's really how it is here on earth too. He is above all things. He's the creator. He's God. He's all powerful. But in our hearts, instead of having him on the throne and having him be our first love, it's very easy to allow other things, even good things, to go ahead of God. And we start to live for those things and in a sense, we start to worship them. In our city, where we live, our region, just like you could find in places all around the world, it's full of people who are worshiping idols. It might be things like success and accomplishments. People might be worshiping money and material gain. Even, even good things like relationships or a, a romance, a, a family. All sorts of things, even destructive things like a, an addiction or you know, some temptation. I mean, there's just so many different things that can become an idol in our lives. And I'm just asking the question, does it bother us? Does it bother us that we have a community full of people who are worshiping idols, that we have churches that have people in them that are worshiping idols? That can happen in your life, by the way, and it can happen in mine. I think daily we need to spend time with Jesus to make sure he's first love in our lives. But, but Paul, he was living there. He, Jesus was first in his life. Paul wasn't perfect like anybody. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short. But in his life, Jesus was first. And because Jesus was first in his life, he cared about what Jesus cared about. And that was people. And, and why did it bother him? Why did it distress Paul? I said it greatly distressed him. It greatly distressed him. Why did it distress him so much that people were worshiping idols? 
Well, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Elsewhere in Scripture, Paul writes this. He says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. So, Paul sees that they've exchanged truth. God is first. He deserves our worship for a lie. They're worshiping these idols that they've made with their own hands, that they've created, idols of wood, idols of stone. And, and they're giving their hearts to these things. They're worshiping these things and they are not going to speak back to them. They're not gonna bring companionship in a real and lasting way for them. They're not gonna fulfill their lasting hope. <laughs> they're certainly not gonna lead them to a paradise, to heaven. So when Paul is speaking about the distress, and when he's distressed and he's looking at the idols in this community, man, it bothers him because he sees a lie that people have bought into. People have bought into lies all around us. Does that bother you? Does it bother me? Does it bother me as much as it should? Paul, I think, was distressed because he saw that, that they were living for empty lives they were wasting the one life that they had. That should bother us when people around us, people in our own families, people that we work with, that we live by, maybe in our own home, we see them wasting their life because they're living for, they're chasing things that are less than God and they're giving their full lives to them and they're wasting their life. And I just, I just wonder if we get too comfortable. You know, I, I'm personally kind of asking myself this these days, am I, am I disturbed enough? Am I bothered enough by the fact that there's people in our world who are not living for something that's lasting? They're living for very short-term things in this world that will never deliver what they hope. You know, when was the last time that we got distressed over the idols that we see around us, that the, the false gods that people are, are worshiping in their life? And again, it could be so many different things, but does that bother us? You know, I don't think that, I, I don't think that any of us uh, can fully protect against the natural drifting and atrophy that can happen in our hearts. But I think it's our obligation and our responsibility to guard our heart and make sure that it doesn't grow lukewarm, that it doesn't get cold. And as we're speaking about vision, a question that might help us, and it's in your teaching notes, and that's this, am I distressed over people loving everything but Jesus? That's really core of what I wanted to get to today. Is that, does that bother me? Does it distress me like it distressed Paul? You know, vision is birthed out of this very thing. You know, I look around and I'm, I'm bothered by the fact that people are worshiping everything but Jesus. They're living for everything but Jesus. They're living for things that will never deliver, that will never uh, fulfill what they're hoping for. That, sh that should distress us and it distressed Paul. And so that's where vision's birthed from. When we come to a place where I, I can't stand this, this bothers me. Like somebody needs to do something about this. And that's exactly where Paul got. Let's look back at the story again in verse 17. It says, so he reasoned, so, so he reasoned. That's an important word. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. So Paul, seeing these things that bothered him, these false gods, it says, so he reasoned. So we're told the why in that word. It's, it's a very packed word because that word represents the why that drove Paul to go reason. He didn't go just reason in the synagogues because that was his job or his occupation. He didn't go reason in the synagogue just because he felt like, well, that's the right thing to do. He went there because he had to do it. It bothered him so much. He's like, somebody's got to do something. Like Isaiah, God, here my, send me. 
I'm going to go. I'm going to go do something because somebody needs to do something. This bothers me so. So he went and did something. So he became a church planning missionary. So he preached and he taught everywhere he could. So he was beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, almost killed for his faith. And that was because of the so. So he gave his life for the mission of Jesus. And so you and I, because of what bothers us, the, the fact that our world is chasing things that will never deliver the hope that they really want, the longing in their heart that, they're, that they were created to have, that longing for Jesus, because that bothers us so, we need to be about a mission. And here it is, it's in your notes. Helping more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be about. Helping more people find and follow Jesus. That's what every believer should be about. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can say it, but what, what Jesus made it real clear is Matthew 28, he said, go. <laughs> Go, I'm sending you. You know, you know go, go make disciples, make followers of me. You know, teach people to be students of me, to follow me, to live for me, and then baptize them. Once they become a student of mine, a follower of me, I mean, it's, he's speaking to evangelism. He said, hey, help them come follow me and be baptized. But he didn't stop there. He said, now teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So teach them what it means to live a full life in Christ, where, where all of your life, the full fullness of your life is wrapped up in Christ. He's at the center. He's first. He's greatest. He's what you're living for. So in this, in this commissioning, what we call the great commissioning that Jesus delivered in Matthew 28 is where we find our, our mission as a church is to go and help more people experience this full life in Jesus Christ. You know, a friend of mine says it like this, it's like what the church needs, it's, it's like paddling a canoe. You have to paddle on both sides to accomplish the mission. If you just paddle on one side, on the evangelism side, and, and, and you know, we just care about the lost being found and people come to Christ, it's really important. But if that's all we care about on one side, and the danger is that people will never grow up in their faith and mature and put roots down and the, and the devil can come and, and tempt them and snatch them away from the direction that they're going on and, and drag them into all kinds of problems. So, so Jesus is like, hey, help them, help them grow up and learn everything I've taught you. Help them to know how to live for me and hunger for me and walk with me and do ministry with me. But then the other side is very important too, is, and that's the discipling side. But if we just row on that side and we just focus on the found who are already found and we forget the world that's perishing, Man, we'll forget the mission and what, what really matters to God. In fact, Jesus said in his one sentence mission statement, Luke 19, 10, he said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so we can't forget about that, the people around us that are, that are headed for an eternity without Christ. And so if we don't wanna spin in circles as a church and in your life, if you don't wanna spin in circles, we need both. We need a heart for people who are, who are lost, who are far from God, they're spiritually, um, they're, they're spiritually far from him. And we need a heart to help people who are found, who are following Jesus to grow up in their faith. Both are important. We need both of those to move the mission forward. So if we think about in terms of, you know, our church and what we're about, we want to be about both of those things. Do you think they're so important? Well, our mission is very clear, but there's something that happens when you look deeper into this verse and, you, and, you, and, you, and it really comes alive. You see how we should, how we should live out this mission. Acts 17 again, verse 17, it, it says that, that he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace. Now listen to this, day by day. Day by day with those who happened to be there. So with Paul, this was not just like a one time a week thing. You know, I, th I think a lot of us, you know, our faith can very easily be a, a, a ritual that, you know, is once a week, it's a recurring event on our calendar. I'm gonna show up at church. It might be the 9.30 service or the 11th service or the 6th service, but that's like that little block of my time. I'm going to show up. I might even volunteer. I might, I might come another hour and serve, maybe in the kids' area or, or help in some other area of ministry. And I'm, I'm there for a couple hours or maybe I get involved in a group or something and I, I'm a little more involved. 
but what I, I see here in this is that it shouldn't be just a one or two time a week kind of thing. It's Paul it says day by day. So this vision was so hot in him that he lived day by day. It was, it was a daily thing. What consumes your prayer time when you're alone with God? Is your prayer time primarily just a list of requests? Is it, a, is it a Christmas wish list? I mean, Christmas is coming. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to Forever Christmas, the teaching series we're going to do in December. And that's going to be a, a great time of the year. But, you know, Christmas is fun because maybe maybe when you're a kid, you know, you have a parent come to you and say, hey, why don't you give me a list of some, some things that you would like for gifts? And how fun was that as a kid, right? You're making a list for mom and dad and maybe thinking through the gifts that you would like. And some of us approach prayer that way. Well, let me make my list. Here's all the things I want to get out of God. And although that's a part of prayer, asking things of God, and a big part of prayer, maybe the biggest part of prayer is walking with God, knowing His heart and worshiping Him and listening to Him and spending time with Him and hearing from Him through His Word. I mean, I, th- I think prayer is a, it's a conversation. But also in, your, in that time with God as you're spending time with Him, are, are you investing time in praying for people who are far from Him? Saying, God, help me get your heart and your eyes. I, I want to see like you see. I mean, does, does the idols in our community distress you? And, and are you bringing that before God? If not, it's possible that our vision is not as it should be. It's not passionate like it should be. You know, Paul had a daily passion. And I think that this passion consu- should consume us when we're at work, during the work week. It, we, should be think, we should be looking around at people around us. I think, I think if we have God's heart, we should be praying for Him. We should be trying to initiate spiritual conversations with people around us. I think that our lives should be aligned, not around comfort, not around living a good life. And man, there's a lot of that around here, isn't there? It seems like you hear a lot of people all the time talking about like the good life that they're trying to live, that dream that they're trying to live. Maybe it's because where we live. I think it might just be a human thing, but I think it's maybe accentuated where we live. Like a lot of people like worked really hard for a lot of years to retire and move down here so they could kind of live the dream and enjoy paradise on earth, you know, sit on the beach and, and see all the fun things. And a lot, of, a lot of people work all week just so they can have a weekend and go to theme parks and athletics and activities. And they're kind of like, that's what they're living for. I think it's all around in our community that people are living for these things. And I think it should distress us. When we look around and we, we see this, the status of, of our, our world, man, it, it should bother us. It should distress us. And then that should lead us to the so that Paul led. And that so should lead us to a day by day. It's a daily thing. I'm carrying this burden with God. I want to see more people come to know Jesus through my life. When I get to the end of my life, I want more people to be following Jesus because of the life I lived. And I think that should be our hope as believers. Well, I think when things start to change in our church, when things start to change in our community is when we personally start to carry this burden. When, when, we, when we look around at our church and we see people who come into services and then they leave and, they're, and they're, during the week they're struggling because... They don't have Christian friends to rely on. They, they're not a part of really, really a core part of a church family. They, they come and attend a service, but they, they haven't really got to know other believers. So when they go through trials and temptations, they don't have anybody say, hey, can you pray for me? And they, they don't, they're not growing and sharpening each other and, and, and learning the word together. And I, I, think that, I think that where life change starts to happen is when, when someone, maybe you, get so bothered by that. Man, we, we gotta do more. We can do better. There's people that are disconnected spiritually. There's people that are disconnected relationally. Come on, we're supposed to be a family. Let's, I'm going to start I'm going to start a Bible study. I'm going to start a group. It could be some fun group, getting some believers together to go do some sports together. It could be an outreach. But I'm going to get a group of people together. We call them life groups. I'm going to get a group of people doing life together around some idea or getting around, more importantly, God's Word, studying the Word through prayer, uh, through ministry, doing something that you all like doing together. But I, we need to get people together. When that happens, man, lives change. Lives change.
No, I, I think another way that, that lives are, are changed is when someone looks around at, at, at their community and they say, man, there's a lot of broken people. And they see a need. It might be people who are in poverty. Man, Jesus talked a lot about helping the poor. That, that bothers me that we're not doing more of that. Or when there's people who are stuck in addictions, man, we, we need to help people in, in recovery and get people out of being stuck and help them get unstuck. We need to do more of that. Or when you, when you look around and you say, man, our church could be better. Man, there's, there's so much we could do to be a better church. And, and I got some abilities and, man, I'm busy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give some of my time and help our church be better. Or maybe it's you look around at the status of, of, of the next generation and you, and you see just how, how messed up it is. I mean, parents who would never let a perverted babysitter watch their kids are turning their kids over for hours a day to media and allowing media to babysit their kids and they're being taught values and morals that are very against God's teaching and, and the word. They're, they're, they're being introduced to things like pornography at early ages and it's messing up their future and their future relationships. And they're neglected. Many of them, their parents are working so hard to make a living and provide for the family that they don't have any time for the kids and they're not, they're not teaching them and loving on them. Man, that should, that should mess us up, right? I mean, that should bother us. And so where life change happens, where our church gets better, where our community gets better is when, when, you, when you find that burden inside of you, man, that, that bothers me. I mean, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't solve every problem, but there is a problem that God wants you to solve. And, and you say, man, the next generation not following Jesus, that bothers me. So I'm going to get involved in student experience. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of our student ministry and help raise up the next generation. I'm going to mentor. I'm going to coach. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a, a loving, godly influence on their lives or kid experience. I'm going to volunteer and get involved in helping teaching kids. Or, man, I, our church could be better, and I got this ability in, 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 in music or technology or leadership or administration or whatever it might be. Or, man, I want to start a ministry. I want to start a group that helps the poor, reaches out to our community. That's where our church is going to get better. That's where lives are going to change. That's where our community is going to get better. When you and I step up and say, man, this bothers me so, day by day, I'm going to carry this. Not so one time a week, I'm going to kind of think about it casually. Now I won't do anything. So this bothers me day by day. I'm carrying this vision. I'm going to invest my life in seeing other lives find and follow Jesus, experience life to the full in Christ. That's where I'm going to live at. That's where, where God's going to really use you if you step into that burden. Well, I want to go back to the story one last time in Acts 17. and kind of finish out the story because Paul is bothered by this vision. He's reasoning with people day by day. And it says, A group of Epicurean and Stoke philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even noticed an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, who does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything life and breath and everything else. So Paul says, hey, I see God, all these gods. You, you are so religious that you even have a God to the unknown God, the God that you don't know about. And Paul says, I'm about to tell you about the God that you don't know. Man, there's people in our community that are worshiping all different sorts of 
things in their life and, and they are worshiping idols and they don't know the God that we know. Now they might have heard the name of Jesus, but so many of them don't know Jesus personally. They're not walking with Jesus personally. And so does that bother enough, us enough to get involved and do something about it? Paul, he stood up and he started to tell them about Jesus because it bothered him so much. He had a, a vision. And, and, and Paul's vision was to, to say, man, this, this Jesus, this unknown God to you, he's the real God. And, and, and that's when lives start to change is when we introduce people to Jesus. We're not fundamentally as a church, a, a social justice organization. We should be helping the poor. We should be doing things. But man, our primary vision our primary mission is to reach people for Jesus, help them find him, help them follow him. It should bother us that people are not following Jesus more. You know, my, my prayer life lately, I've been, I literally wrote down a prayer request that God, you know, help, help this inside of me move to a we must, not just this is a good idea. And I grew up in the church, and so for me, following Jesus for a lot of years now, um, I know the right answer. I know that the right thing to do is help people find Jesus, and I know that leading people who are away from Christ to him so that they can go to heaven. I know that's the right answer, but I don't want to do ministry. I don't want to serve people. I, I don't want to reach out to people who are far from God just because it's a good idea or because it's the right answer. For me, I want to do it because we must. Like, we, we have to do it. Somebody's got to do something. There's people around us that are perishing. We must do something. And that must is so important. It's, it's important enough that we can, should break out of our comfort break out of whatever the other things are in our life that are holding us back and say, you know what, this is going to be a priority in my life to help people find and follow Jesus. So our vision, it's in your teaching notes, our vision is redefining more, helping more people find Jesus, help more people follow Jesus, help more people grow up in their faith. That, that word more is a very selfish word in our culture. It's, it's a very greedy word. Why I want more things, I want more stuff, more wins. I, I, I want to be and do more, go more places, you know, have more stuff. Like that's our culture. I think Christians should re redeem that word because all throughout scripture we see that word used for things like God offers more hope for us. He offers more love for us, more forgiveness for us. God has so much more he has planned for us in him. And so I think our vision as Christians should be that, is helping people find more in life not more in the things of this world, but find more that's wrapped up in God that leads to eternal life. And so that's our vision is, is, is more. More people following Jesus, more people in love with him, more people in our community living for God, more lives being transformed and changed. That's our vision. And you know, when you get God's heart, you want more of it. When you get around him, you're gonna want more, more of God. You're gonna wanna be more about him and, and what he wants. So. We, we did the trick-or-treat thing in our neighborhood with our kids and they all got candy and they're old enough now that, that they, they're a little possessive of their candy. They got it in bags and it's got their name on it. And so I, I, I feel a little bad about taking their candy when they're little kids and sitting a pile around the, the house. I didn't feel bad about, you know, grabbing a piece of candy, but now I, I like, I'll go to him and respectfully ask and I go to my five-year-old, right? She loves daddy and be like, hey, Macy, can daddy have like a Twix? I see you got some Twix. I, I love chocolate. Can I, can I have a Twix? Yeah, dad, I'd love to. And then like later that day, because I had chocolate and it tasted so good and I don't have any candy of my own, I go back and I'm like, hey, do you mind if like, can I have a Kit Kat? Because I love Kit Kats too and I love, love chocolate. She's like, yeah, here you go, dad. And then like the next day, I'm like, she's got this pile of like white chocolates in there. Man, I love Hershey's white chocolate. Hey, babe, do you, do you mind if I, can I have one of those Hershey's white chocolate? You know what she looked at me? She, she said, daddy, you're a chocolate monster. <laughs>
you're a chocolate monster. She knew that, man, I, I just kept coming back for more. And you know, I think that's how it should be actually in our faith, that the closer we get to Jesus, the more we're gonna want of him, the more we're gonna want of his mission, the more we're gonna care. The closer we get to him, the more it matters to us. And so, because it matters so much to us, it, it, should, it should wreck our, our plans sometimes. I mean, it should, we, should, we should say, well, you know what, man, without Jesus, I would be living for this. I'll be setting up my life here on earth and building my kingdom, but man, that's not nearly as important. I want more of God, so you know what? I'm gonna live for God's kingdom, not my own. And you know what? Most people are living for their own glory and things that benefit them. You know what? God, I'm living for your glory. That, I want more of that. I want more of you because, man, that t- that's so good. Taste and see the Lord is good. God, you're better than anything this world offers. So God, I wanna live for you. I, wanna, I want more of you and I want more people to find and follow you. I think lives are gonna change when, when we get this as a church, when we start living this way. I think, I think lives are gonna be transformed from the inside out. I think families are gonna be changed. Like couples are gonna to stay together instead of splitting up as much as they do. I think, I think kids who are neglected and, and, and not being taught about Jesus are gonna be raised up to be godly kids and they're gonna be leaders for God in the world. I think people who are lonely are gonna find community in the church and they're gonna find family in the church. I think people who are addicted and stuck in stuff, they're gonna get unstuck and they're gonna be free in Jesus' name. I think people who are visionless and drifting through life, maybe they're very successful, but they have this ache inside of them. Like, man, I, I wanna do something that has purpose, that has meaning, that lasts beyond my life. I think they're gonna find purpose in being a part of God's church. I think people are hopeless, that are discouraged and depressed and think, man, I, I, life's not good, things are not going well. I think they're gonna, they're gonna find real hope, lasting hope, sustainable hope, that's actually gonna be fulfilled in their life through Jesus. I think people who are struggling in life are gonna find that lifeline that they've been looking for through Jesus and through his church. I think people who are succeeding in life and they feel good about life overall, but they're just missing something, I think they're gonna move from succeeding in life to living a significant life in Christ. That's what we should be about. That's our vision as a church. That's what Christians should be about, living for the immeasurably more that Jesus has for us. I think step number one for us is to secure a building of our own. Uh, we've, we've been in rented space. We went from a living room to a school to a hotel. And I think for us, the next step, next step is to secure our own building. And so we're, we're laser focused on that. We're, we're turning over every rock. Every time we get a lead, we're looking into it. So be praying for us about that. And your generosity is what makes that possible. Um, honestly, the, the, the primary roadblock has been a financial one. And so for us, as we've dug into it, there is a significant need for upfront costs to renovate a space when we find it. And then there's an ongoing cost. People will be generous with their tithes and offerings, their weekly giving, which allows us to afford a month-to-month payment, whether it's a lease or it's a mortgage payment. For us to get into a permanent space of our own, which unlocks so much ministry potential, that's the next big hurdle. So be praying with us about that. We've already seen in the hotel how much ministry uh, changes and shifts by getting your own space. It's been so great for us. I mean, simple things like being rushed out of the building like we were before in the, in the school. People stick around now, they connect, they talk, there's relationships getting deeper. Um, we have access now on Wednesday night, so we have two days a week instead of the one day a week. And, and just in that short time, a couple months we've had the school um, or at the hotel on Wednesday nights. We now have launched a student service, which we've never had an ongoing student service on Wednesday nights. They just took a trip this last week went to Trinity College and they did a youth night together. There's, there's more happening with the next generation because we have Wednesday night. We've launched a Financial Peace University class and there's maybe 10, 12 people in that, in that class that are learning how to honor God in their money because we have a space for them to meet on Wednesday nights. And on and on it could go if we have more opportunity through having a space of our own. And we could redeploy all the manpower and set up and break down to other ministry that could help move the mission forward faster. 
And so be praying with us about that. That's the next step. We're looking somewhere in the Clearwater area-ish, um, hopefully along US 19, somewhere close to that, uh, so that people can access from wherever they live in the different areas. Um, we're just praying and praying that God moves that mountain. Um, also, uh, for us, we feel like strengthening the core. Uh, one of the phrases that, that we've used as leaders uh, here lately is strengthening the core for immeasurably more. Strengthening the core for immeasurably more. Not just in number. We think that's important that, that more people get involved and get connected. They go from attending to participating. But strengthened in our personal commitment to Christ, our, our personal walk with God, um, our, our faith, our beliefs, our understanding of what it means to follow Him. That's, that's what we think is very important, is strengthening the core. Also, we think getting stronger financially so that we can take the next steps. I think that's more important as a church. We're focused on that. We've been cutting expenses everywhere we can. Part of the move to the hotel was to save money. And so that's been a big priority for us. Um, wherever we can save money, we're, we're trying to do that. And, and we're asking you to consider giving generously and, and, and evaluating and praying through. Am I, am I honoring God with my money? Because that's what's going to allow our church to move forward. That's what's going to allow more people in our community to be impacted. And so how am I using my resources and managing them personally for God so that his church and his mission can go forward? Also, we, I think something that's been on my heart personally lately is, is man, we need to do more to unleash compassion in our community to help the poor, to help the broken. And I don't have all the answers for this yet, but man, we've done dozens of compassion projects in our community where we've gone and we've helped people. We've helped organizations that are helping those in need. And we want to do more of that sort of thing. We're just looking for clarity around what our vision is. And so some of that's coming together. We're talking about our first missions trip. Uh, we're developing partnerships. Uh, we're, we're helping plant churches beyond our community. There's a lot of things that uh, we are actively doing, and we just want to do more of that. Life coaching has been a big part of that that we re recently launched, uh, connecting a need, a person in need one-on-one -on -one with someone in our church who can help meet that need. So through mentoring and coaching, and then us as a church financially uh, giving a gift and helping them if, if that's their crisis. So there's a lot of things we're doing, more we hope to do. And then finally, long-term, our, our vision would be to expand and our reach into our community, the Tampa Bay area has three million people. We're not gonna reach, uh, we're not gonna reach as many people as we want to in one location. And so we believe God, I mean, there's so much need all around our nation, all around our state. And however God leads us, we wanna be a part of church planning. And we've done that since day one, uh, giving resources to, to planning other churches. So we're gonna continue to do that. And long-term we see starting other campuses around our area. Uh, where people can uh, have a, a location of church experience closer to them. It's not just that we need another church. If every church in our community is filled to capacity, it still would not touch the total population, that we would not reach everybody. So we want the churches that are there to fill up, but we think that we need more churches, and we need, we need more churches like church experience. It's not just another church. We think that our church offers something unique that's gonna reach a portion, not everybody, but it's gonna reach a portion of our community that might not walk through the doors of another kind of church. And so the way that we do our music and the way that our community functions and the, and the messages and who we are and all that, I think it's gonna to speak to a, a portion of our community. And we're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people who are spiritually lost. And there's some of them that God uh, is gonna reach through this church, through your faithfulness. And so that's where we're going long-term. First step, finding a building, long-term multiplication. However God wants to use us, we just wanna make a big splash for his kingdom. That's where we're going. I hope you join us on the journey. And I wanna close with this verse again, Acts 17, 17. Paul says, I was greatly distressed. He was greatly distressed because everyone in that community mattered to him because he knew that they mattered to God. And so some of us wear around our wrists this reminder that everyone matters. I don't wanna look past a single person. I don't wanna get cold to the, to the eternity, the souls of people, the fact that they matter to God. I want that to matter to me and I want it to matter to you because everyone does matter. My hope is 
that you and I together will see God do more through us, through the more vision that he's growing in our lives. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.
forever, you'll be adored.